much, Mark. That was a very kind introduction. And uh, it's always a privilege for me to be here. Is it just me or do I sound like I'm in a cave? Well, I'm going to die with all these cords up here. This is crazy. Um, but it is. It's just such a joy to be here. I mean, just to see Mark Tatlock up here and doing his thing and leading the place. And, you know, we had so much fun when I was one of his RAs and being up in that little Hotchkiss apartment at the RD. Does the RD still live up there? Is that the... That's just like the party house. I mean, that's just like where it happens. I mean, so we just had a tremendous time. And uh, just to, so good to be back here. I never thought in a million years I'd have a chance to come back and, and teach. I mean, I just would love to come back here and, like, go to the bookstore and hang out and talk to people. But to think that I could come back here and actually teach some of the classes that uh, God uh, used in my life when I was here to really transform me and to help me be the, the man that God wants me to be. Uh, it's just a thrill beyond belief, and uh, we're, we're just having a good time. So if you ever have some free time on a Tuesday afternoon around 1.45, you don't have anything better to do but take a nap or something, just come on over to the Grace Baptist, uh, the back room over there, and we're having a class called Youth Culture and Conflicts, and you are definitely welcome, even if you're not a youth ministry major, right? You guys are welcome to come back there, and we have a good time. But uh, we don't want to let too many people come because we're having too much fun, you know? It's kind of like our little secret back there. We have a great time. But uh, I was excited when uh, I was asked to come and, and talk about the local church and talk about ministry and talk about serving Jesus Christ in his church. And as I thought about what would be the best thing to communicate and to talk about, uh, I really didn't know for a long time. And as I prayed more and thought more, I thought there's one thing that I continually struggle with that I continually have to deal with in my life, that I hope I'm not the only knucklehead on this planet that has to deal with it. Uh, and I would assume that many of you in this room have to deal, deal, deal with the same issues that I do. Specifically in regards to serving the Lord, whether it be a local church or any other ministry. Uh, I love the local church. I love serving Jesus Christ. I am my, I, I'm at my happiest moment when I'm up preaching the word of God. I told the students last week that the highlight of my week is 745 every Wednesday night because that's when I get up and at our Wednesday night meeting and I open up the word of God and I preach to the young people that God brings. And I just love, that's, that's, I, I don't enjoy anything else more in life than serving Christ through the local church. And yet, what often happens is that I find myself loving serving Christ more than I find myself just loving Christ. In other words, I get so wrapped up in all the service and all the things there are to do for Christ that I find myself loving the ministry more than I love God. This is so convicting to me when I think about the fact if I could never preach again or if I could never serve the Lord again, would I still have joy? Would I still be happy in life? Because I would still just have my relationship with God. And sometimes I wonder if that's true. I guess what I'm trying to say is best summarized in a little quotation that I wanted to read to you this morning as we begin. Written by a, an early supporter of missions. His name was Samuel Pierce. And he says this. He says, It has pleased God lately to teach me more than ever that himself is the foundation of happiness. That likeness to him... Friendship with him and communion with him form the basis of all true enjoyment. The very dis disposition which he has given me to be anything 
to do anything or to endure anything so that his name might be glorified, I say this disposition itself is heaven begun below. And we could just close in prayer after that, right? It's an amazing statement. And the, the, the statement that, uh, the part of that statement that convicts me the most is it says that God, he says God gave him a disposition or a mindset that he found that the foundation of his happiness in life was who? God. And that friendship with him and communion with him was the basis for all his enjoyment. And he says this type of disposition is like heaven begun below. In other words, this is just a taste of heaven. When you can think and act like this and have this mindset, this is like what it's going to be in heaven. And you get to start enjoying what heaven's going to be like here on earth. Because you see, the fact of the matter is when we get to heaven, guess what? We're not going to be serving God anymore. What are we going to be doing? One thing. Worshiping. Right now we have the privilege of worshiping God and worshiping Christ and also serving Christ and, worship and, and, and serving God. But see, as soon as we get to heaven, one of those things drops off and the only thing left is going to be to worship Christ. See, my point is we've got to learn to begin practicing now for what we're going to be doing in heaven for all eternity. The principle that I'm referring to is found in a very familiar passage in the Gospel of Luke. And I want you to turn there with, this, with me this morning. It's Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be reading verses 38 to 42. And I guess as I thought about this, I don't know what the other pastors that come here in this week and are going to preach or going to talk about as far as how you can plug into the local church and how important it is to serve Christ in the local church. I don't, I don't know what they're going to say, but I would imagine that this message this morning would be more of a preface to whatever anybody else says about the local church. This is something that has to be established as the foundation for all, everything else that's going to be communicated to you guys this week because it's so important. Let's read it together. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, of course, that's Jesus and his disciples. He entered a certain village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary and moreover was listening, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. A very familiar story, a story you may have heard communicated many times to you, but I hope that as we look at it this morning, it will take on a new special meaning and you'll see it in a unique light that maybe you've never seen it before until this morning. So I'm going to ask God right now that he would do that in our hearts. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and open up your word and to be taught by you. And Father, we do tremble before your word. We realize that you have the words of life. And Father, if we submit to your word, things will go well with us and you will be honored. And Lord, we will be equipped and challenged to be the people you want us to be. So I pray now, Father, that you'd use your word to teach us what you want us to know so we could be the people you want us to be. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a story about two sisters, Mary and Martha. But it's really not a story as much about two sisters as much as it's a story about two attitudes or two priorities. You guys know what a priority is. A priority is very crucial for a college student. You have to have priorities or you'll never get anything done. A priority is, is that which is most important in our life. Isn't that what a priority is? It's something that is the most important thing in our lives. That's a priority. And in this passage, we see a contrast between two different priorities regarding a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, every one of us walked into this room this morning, and in regards to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we were living one of two priorities. We had one or another priority. The first priority you could have this morning is that you're concerned with work. That's your priority. You're concerned with work. You're, you're concerned with serving Christ. That's exemplified by Martha. But there's a second priority that's exemplified by Mary, and that would be being consumed with worship. That could be your priority this morning when you came in, that you're consumed with worship. And see, in our relationship to Jesus Christ, both of these priorities are very important. But one is clearly more important than the other. And Jesus, in this passage, makes it very clear to us which one has to be our most important priority. And he uses just a little simple visit to his friend's house to teach us this profound lesson in what is most important in our relationship to him. And I want to look at that with you this morning. Let's look first of all at the first priority that you could have this morning, and that's being concerned with work. Look at verse 38. He says, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, the village was probably Bethany, about two miles from Jerusalem, and that's where Mary and Martha lived. Martha had her house, and if you guys understand the, the Gospels, Mary and Martha were sisters, and they were the brother of who? Lazarus, right? And, the, and it says in John chapter 11, verse 5, that Jesus loved them very much. These two ladies and this family, including Lazarus, was very precious to Jesus. And uh, we find out other places that this wasn't the only time that Jesus had been to their house. This isn't, wasn't the only time that she cooked dinner for Jesus and the disciples. You can see that in John chapter 12. So this was more the custom as whenever Jesus was in town, uh, she would have him over to the house and open up her house very graciously and hospitably uh, and generously to invite Jesus, Jesus and his disciples to stay with them at her house. Now look at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She was distracted by all her preparations. She, she was continually being pulled away or drawn away by all that she had to do. I mean, you know what that's like if somebody's coming over to your house or uh, whatever. You want to have everything just right. And you're, you feel like you're pulled in a hundred different directions all at the same time. That's how I feel oftentimes as a pastor. I feel like I'm being pulled in a hundred different directions all at the same time. And I think the interesting thing we need to note here is that Martha, from what we know of her throughout the Gospels, she really loved Jesus Christ. Christ was precious to her. And I believe that she probably wanted to sit and listen to Jesus. 
I really think she probably wanted to do the very same thing that Mary was doing, but her attention was distracted by all she had to do to get done. I mean, it's a typical situation, and please don't take this as chauvinistic when I say this about the typical woman getting her house ready before some guests come over. I mean, my dear wife, we, we talk about this all the time. Whenever somebody comes over, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's either, I'm either out of that house so I don't get run over, okay, or I get into the process and I get into the act and I help vacuum or do whatever and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's just crazy around the house. You've got to clean the house. You've got to dust the house. You've got to vacuum. You've got to clean the bathroom. I don't know why you have to clean the bathtub because I don't, I, people don't come to take a bath when they come for dinner. But that's part of the deal. You've got to clean the bathtub too, okay? So that gets done. And, uh, and then you, you can just imagine this scene, okay? You're trying to get the whole house cleaned up. And, and here's, she's got dinner on the stove and she's got a pot boiling over. And she's got bread burning in the oven. And, and something just blew up in the microwave. Okay, and she just, and, and all, the whole time she's trying to be gracious and, 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 and take care of the disciples and be hospitable. How are you doing? Can I get you something to drink? And all that kind of stuff. And just, just things are crazy. And she's just completely distracted. But again, she's a typical hostess. She just wants everything to be perfect for her guests. Now, I can't imagine, I know what it's like around our house when we have good friends coming over. I can't imagine what it'd be like to have Jesus come over. I mean, talk about getting stressed out, okay? But this is what was happening here. This was God, the God of the universe, coming over for dinner. And uh, so she's just really stressed out about this whole thing. But you see, even though she was stressed out, you know what? I believe that she was serving Christ out of love for him. She loved him very much, and I think she was working so hard to please him. She, she just really wanted to please Christ because she loved him so much. And that's why she was serving so hard. But the fact of the matter is there was just too much stuff for her to do by herself. And what happens next is what typically happens when you and I are working really hard, uh, working and, and doing stuff, and we got a ton of stuff to do, we're really busy, and we see somebody just kind of kicking back and kind of hanging out and not doing anything and maybe even sitting there talking with somebody else. What usually happens? We start getting mad, right? I mean, it doesn't start with anger. Um, it just starts with a little thought like, you know, I, I'd like to be doing it. I'd like to be sitting there and, and, and just hanging out and talking. Or maybe it turns to sarcasm. Oh, it must be nice. I'd like to do that too. And then you, you get bitter and you get, begin to get jealous and, and this builds in your heart and you get annoyed and, and you get frustrated and you get irritated and then you just get downright mad. And you can just hear Martha in the kitchen, right? She's in the kitchen and she's just thinking about this, and the more she thinks about it, the madder she gets, and the madder she gets, the louder it gets, and she's banging stuff around, and she's just ticked off at her sister, her lazy little sister sitting out in the living room talking to Jesus while she's in her slaving in the kitchen. And so it finally builds up to this point where she just explodes. But notice from our text, she doesn't explode at Mary. Who does she explode on? Jesus. And she, this is the amazing thing, she rebukes Jesus. This is bizarre. Look at verse 40. She was distracted by all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. She took out her frustration on Jesus. She accused him of being uncaring, of unloving. Don't you care? Don't you care that Mary's left me to do everything? And so she tries to get Jesus to confront Mary and to get her to help him, help her. 
I love Jesus' response. Verse 41. He said, the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Can you just hear Jesus? Martha, Martha. Not, oh, Martha, you knucklehead. (laughs) How many times did I have to tell you about this? No, I think the reason that he says Martha, Martha, you can just see his compassion. And the fact that he repeats it, it's just tender and he's concerned for her. And he proves to, that he does really care about her. Because she's saying, you don't care. And he's going, Martha, Martha, you know how much I care for you. He says, you're worried and bothered about so many things. You're, you're fussing and fretting about everything. I mean, you're, you're way too stressed out, Martha, okay? He says, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. You say, well, what is that talking about? But only a few things are necessary, really only one. Well, some people would say that what he's talking about there is, hey, hey Martha, you know, it's really, it's really not that big of a deal that you make this big spread for me. I mean, I don't need all this big lavish food. I mean, just a little something will do. Just give me a little ham and cheese sandwich on the side or something. Don't, don't cook all this huge meal. Don't, you don't have to go through all this trouble for me, Martha. That's what somebody would say, that one thing is talking about one dish, one, one plate would do. But see, I don't think that holds water because if you see the context, Mary is commended for what she did. It says in verse 42, for Mary has chosen the good part, that one thing, which shall not be taken away from her. So it's right there, it, it may, Jesus makes it clear that he's not referring to food. Mary's not sitting at Jesus' feet holding up a TV dinner, okay? That's not what she's doing. What is she doing? She's sitting there listening and adoring Jesus. Jesus is talking about what she chose to do. It's referring, he's referring to her, catch this word now, priorities. Her priorities. He's saying to to, to, uh, Martha, Martha, your priorities are out of line. Mary has chosen the right priority. She has the right priority. You're, you chose the wrong priority. See, Martha was so busy working for Jesus that she didn't have time for listening to Jesus. She was so concerned with work, she let that have the priority. She let that become the most important thing in a relationship to Christ at that moment. She sought to correct her sister or I should say Jesus sought to correct her and help her get her priorities in order. He was trying to help her see, Martha, this is what's most important. Look at your sister, the one that you're ticked off at and mad at and bitter at. Look at her because she's setting a good example right now for you. And that brings us to our second priority. The first priority was being concerned with work. And the second priority that Jesus highlights here in Mary is someone who is consumed with worship consumed with worship look at verse 39 and she had a sister called Mary who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet so there's Mary sitting at Jesus' feet listening and learning from him and this was very customary for a disciple to sit at the feet of of their teacher and it showed honor and it showed respect and it, it showed an attitude of humility and teachability And I think it's interesting to note that every time this particular Mary is mentioned three times in the gospel, every time, guess what she's doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. 
What an awesome example. She's all, we always see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And what he does is he commends her for her wise choice, choosing this priority as most important. Look at verse 42. He says, but only one, only a few things are necessary, really only one, for Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. You say, what is that one thing that's necessary? What is that good part? I think what he's referring to is communion with him. He's talking about adoration of him. He's talking about undistracted devotion to him. He's talking about worship. A good parallel passage is back in Psalm 27, verse 4. Listen to what the psalmist says. I think he says the same exact thing, just in his own words. Psalm 27, verse 4. David says, One thing, catch that, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. What is the one thing that David wanted more than anything else in life? He just wanted to worship God. He just wanted to sit in the temple and just worship God 24 hours a day. That was the one thing he wanted more than anything else. And see, Mary was consumed with worship. That was her priority. She let that become the most important thing in her relationship to Christ. And you know what? Jesus commended her for that. He commended her for that. very simple story that teaches a very simple yet very profound lesson. Martha was so concerned about working for Christ that she was distracted from worshiping Christ. It's what I call the Martha syndrome. I struggle with it a lot. I don't know about you. When I, th- when I think about, when I thought about what I should preach today, I thought, you know what? I could preach one of those messages that I really like that, that, you know, is one of the better ones with all the illustrations and this and that. And I thought, you know what? What do I need to hear right now? What do I need to be convicted about? And so I hope you guys are getting something out of this this morning. But if you're not, that's okay because I'm sure getting a whole lot out of it because I need to hear this right now in my life because I struggle with the Martha syndrome all the time, it seems. It probably, it, this is probably the, the biggest issue in my life as a pastor that I get so consumed with working for Christ that I don't have time to worship Christ. See, the point is, we, we made this earlier, Martha had a right heart. I mean, her motive was pure. I really believe it was pure that she just wanted to, to serve Christ because she loved Christ. And she was trying to express that love by serving him. But she let her service draw her away from worship. And that happens too often in our own lives. We, we get so busy serving Christ that we just forget about being with Christ. Our schedule gets so hectic, we don't have time to spend with Christ. And as one man said, we get so involved with the work of the Lord that we neglect the Lord of the work. And see, as you guys get challenged and encouraged to get plugged into the local church and to serve Christ and to use your gifts in the body to build up that body and and to bring others to Christ and all that kind of stuff, please remember what your number one priority is. Don't get so caught up in serving the Lord and and in in the work of the Lord that you neglect 
the Lord of the work. This happens at college, right? You get so busy with your homework and all the stuff you got to do and this activity and this activity and this class and this lab and all this kind of stuff. And you just start feeling like you're getting pulled in a hundred different directions. And what's always the first thing that typically gets dropped out of our schedule? Our time with the Lord, right? Our quiet time. The time that we spend worshiping the Lord. And I don't know what happens to you when, when you feel your life getting that way. Because every once in a while, I'll see it coming. I'll feel like I'm on this snowball thing. You know, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know how you react to that or you respond to that. But you know what happens to me when I feel like I'm getting back and the Martha syndrome's taking over and I'm just serving the Lord, serving the Lord, serving the Lord, and I get busy, 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 and I don't worship Christ? You know what happens to me? I get scared. I get scared. You know why I get scared? Because when I left here from the master's college, I had an opportunity to go do an internship at another church. In fact, it was during my time here at the master's college. It was my first internship. And I was serving under a youth pastor, and and, uh, this guy and I became best friends. I mean, we were buddies. And he was like my father. And uh, we just had a tremendous time. And uh, I'll never forget the day he pulled me aside and said, Ken, I got to tell you something. And he sat me down, and Kelly was there at the time, and we sat down on the couch, and he said, Ken, he said, I almost committed suicide today. And I was just absolutely blown away that, that I couldn't believe this guy was telling me this. This is the guy that was just like my Paul, you know? This is the guy, I mean, I looked up to him. I want to be just like him, and I wanted to minister to youth just like this guy. And he said he just almost committed suicide. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I had to resign today from my position at the church. And I said, well, why? He said, well, because several years ago, I was involved physically with one of the girls in our youth ministry. And she went to counseling, and it got found out, and now uh, I got to go take care of this. And uh, he had to spend about nine months in prison for that experience that he had with that girl. And I'll never forget when I asked him, I said, please tell me, tell me what happened. How did it happen? I don't want to do the same thing that you did. Please teach me. Tell me what to do or what not to do so that this doesn't happen to me and I avoid this pitfall. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Ken, you know, when I got here to this church, I was just really excited for for the Lord. I was worshiping Christ. I was waking up early in the morning. I was praying. I was reading. And I was going off and doing the work, and that things got busy. The ministry started cranking, and we just started happening. And I would stay up late, and I would sleep in a little bit more because I was so tired, and I wasn't getting my rest. And, and I started just studying just for my messages, and I wasn't just spending time in the Word, just worshiping Christ. And he said, that's what happened. He said, that was the first crack in my armor. And he said, Ken, if you remember anything, remember this. He says, always seek the Lord before you serve the Lord. Always seek the Lord before you serve the Lord. So easy to fall prey to the Martha syndrome or what is often called the tyranny of the urgent. Our greatest danger is that we let the urgent things crowd out the most important things. 
we've left un- we leave undone the things which we ought to do and we do the things which we ought not to do. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you can relate to what I experience on a regular basis, you know this is how it is. That when we worship Christ, when we give worship the priority, everything seems to fall into place, right? But when we make work the priority, everything seems to fall apart. You know it's true. It happens every time, right? Mary was so consumed with worshiping Christ that she was undistracted by work, by the work that had to be done for Christ. Let me say that again because that's the key right here. Mary, on the other hand, we looked at the Martha syndrome. How do you fix this? Mary was so consumed with worshiping Christ that she was undistracted by the work that had to be done for Christ. See, it's usually the other way around. We usually get so consumed with the work and concerned with the work that we are distracted from worship. We have to be the other way around. We have to be so consumed with Christ and the Lord of the church that we are not distracted by all the work that needs to be done. Now, I don't think this is an excuse for not working, not serving Christ. Like you can sit up in your dorm room and kick it on your bed and somebody comes in and says, hey, we're going down to the church because uh, we're going to serve tonight, whatever. And you say, well, you know what? I'm just worshiping Jesus tonight. I'm just going to stay here and worship Jesus. That's not the point. You understand We must be concerned about working for Christ, but we must not let it distract us from being consumed with worshiping Christ because that's what's most important. That is, needs to be our priority. But it's just being with him. Did you catch that? The thing that, the the best way to express our love for Christ is not doing a bunch of stuff for him, but just being with him. I believe that's what he wants the most. As we see here in the story of Mary Mary and Martha. He didn't want all this food and all this work and hospitality. He wanted what Mary was giving him was that worship. You know, sometimes I'll come home at night after a long day at the office. And I try to do this on a regular basis because I realize that my real ministry starts when I get home. And that's something that I've really had to work hard at in my mind and my thinking that I sure I might serve all day at the church and minister to people in this. But when I step out of my car and walk into my house, that's when my real ministry begins. And so I try to train myself to think about that and ask God to give me strength and, and an ability to shepherd my wife and my children. And so sometimes I'll come home and I'll be all excited about coming home and just serving my family and just spending time with them. And, and uh, so I'll get home and I'll say, hey, how's it going, honey? And and so the whole night will just be filled with helping out my wife and, and maybe vacuuming the rug or taking out the trash or putting up whatever she wants me to put up around the house or, or giving the kids a bath and, and putting their jammies on and putting them in bed. And, and uh, you know, we're just doing all this stuff. And 10 o'clock rolls around and we fall into bed. And I'm just kind of relieved and say, wow, I'm just so thankful that I was able to serve my wife tonight. But then I notice that my wife's quiet. She's not talking to me. And I'm like, uh-oh, something's up. And I'll say, hey, honey, what's the matter? And the reason why I'm telling you this is because this has happened more than once. I say, what's the matter? She says, you know what, honey, I appreciate all you did tonight. It was really helpful. But you know what I really wanted? I, I just wanted to sit on the couch and just talk. I just wanted to be with you. I just wanted to see how you're doing. 
And I'm just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but see, that's exactly the way it is with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Is I think we could go rushing off and serving the Lord all over the place, and we come home, and we're just so thrilled and so excited and just so thankful for the ministry and the service that we've been able to do. And, and Christ appreciates it, yes. But you know what he really wanted? He just, he just wanted to spend time with you. He just wanted to spend time with you. He just wanted you to worship him. And I trust that as you embark on this series on the local church ministry, that this would be in the forefront of your mind and before you ever get yourself cranked up and doing something in ministry, that you would establish in your mind what is your number one priority. And that would be worshiping Christ. Mark Wheeler is going to come back up here and close us in prayer this morning. Let me stand. Let's pray. God in heaven, what a privilege it is to come to the chapel and just to hear the word of God being preached. Lord, we just uh, thank you for Ken and the message that he brought from your word this morning. Lord, we pray that um, through the, the midst of our busy schedules and through the midst of even um, the upcoming missions conference, and we think about all the work that we're going to be doing for you, Lord, um, maybe sharing the gospel with people or um, doing work around the local churches in the area. Father, we pray that we can be so consumed with worshiping you through that, that that work will become a privilege and an honor for us to do, and even a secondary thing to the worship that you deserve and the worship that we need to give you, Father. I just thank you for your Holy Spirit and the way I was convicted this morning. And I pray that um, if we were convicted by this truth, that we'll take that and we'll um, ask that you'll help us to put that in practice in our lives. Father, we thank Ken and his ministry at Grace Community Church, Lord. We pray that you'll continue to bless him over there as he um, preaches the word to students who need to hear it, Lord. We pray for the staff that you've called to work under him. Father, pray that he can shepherd that staff in a godly way. Pray for his marriage, Lord, and you can keep um, them strong and keep them pure and keep them serving you, Lord. We thank you and praise in Christ's name. Amen.